Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Friday, April 1st, Clemson's attrition situation, injuries and mono and other stuff with the football program. Not an April Fool's joke. Going to be quite a task uh, to put together, I guess, equitable teams to face off with each other for the spring game next week. Plenty of analysis of that through the weekend and more at TigerIllustrated.com. If you haven't signed up, never a better time than right now. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864 4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, we'll call this the public service episode, I guess you could say. Lieutenant Richard Gooch, longtime member of the Clemson City Police Department, has had a hell of a couple of months. In January, had a heart attack that had he not been at the hospital in Anderson at the time, probably would not be with us. Then a week later, lost his father, uh, who took his own life. Gooch wanted to come on the podcast to spread awareness about taking care of yourself physically so you don't find yourself in the same situation he was in. Also, the very emergent topic of mental health here in 2022. Tragically, suicide, uh, old people, young people, um, it's a bit of a trend. And we're going to start out with some high comedy because I've known this guy for years. And just like everybody else, I just call him Gooch. But unlike everybody else, I thought his first name was John. So here we go. Warts and all. All right. Joined by my friend, John Gooch. How you doing, man? It's Richard Gooch, but thank you. It's not John? No. <laughs> Why have I thought? I don't Have know. I called you John before? No, you usually call me Gooch. It's fine. I'd keep Holy that. Crap. That's that's comic gold right there. I'm not even gonna hit stop. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna edit this. Holy crap! I am. I am terrible with names. No, you're Richard? good. Richard, you're good. It's Richard. Oh my gosh! I like it. It's like an icebreaker. <laughs> it puts the pressure on me. Oh, good because you can take it off of me right now. It's cool. What I'm 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 now I'm now like going back through my mental Rolodex of how many times I've referred to you as John Gooch. You have never called me John Gooch before. No, but to others. Oh, 
That I don't know. Wow. That takes the cake. I've had some embarrassing situations where I've forgotten somebody's name or called somebody the wrong name, but I've never done it on a podcast, I don't think, in three years. I think it's hilarious. All right. Richard, I'm just, all right, Gooch. Perfect. (laughs) Um, A longtime member of this community, a friend of mine, um, a member of Clemson's uh, city police force for how long? I just passed my 22nd year. I'm on my 23rd year. Wow. And you you have told me the story of how you ended up here before, and can you refresh me and also enlighten others? I actually moved here in 19... I got out of the military in 1997, but I moved here for a job with the Anderson City Police Department. And when I got here, um, my point of contact had retired, and I ended up being waitlisted for that job. I never got it. So I just stayed. What were you, what'd you do in the military? Uh, military police. For how long? I did a five year. Where? Uh, I went to basic training at Fort McClellan, Alabama, which is no longer there. Well, it's still there, but it's not, it's a, I don't even know what it is now. It's a DOD facility. Uh, after Graduating, I went to Berlin, Germany. I spent just under two years there. And then I was stationed at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. And then from there, I went to Panama and Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Did some time down there. And then I moved here in July of 97. But you you went to, where did you grow up? Uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. And, and But you went to Tri-County down here. I did. When? 90, oof, I want to say 98 through 2000. Okay, so after you after you got here for the, for the job. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had, I started with the city of Clemson in November of 99, and I finished up my degree right after I was hired. Gotcha. And so what do you, what's your, what's your schedule, uh, your typical schedule right now, work-wise? I moved to a, um, a new job in February of 21. I work Monday through Friday, weekends and holidays off. And no, not really not. I, lately, I've been working 7.30 till about 5, 5.30. We don't have an SRO at Clemson Elementary, and I've been filling in part of that role for the last several weeks. And previous to, to the new position... What was the new position? <clears throat> Excuse me. I moved to the, I'm the lieutenant over investigations and support services. And prior to that, I was a, a road lieutenant for about 20, 21 years. So a lot of weekends and. My wife said we were part-time. I was off every other um, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. And I worked every other weekend. Wow. I was part-time. We we, were, we did a lot of. She did a lot of events without me because I was working every other weekend, and I had days off every other week you know, during the week. Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, not to not to get too deep into it, but it sounds like a much better job and a maybe a more stimulating job as far Great as investigations job. go. I love it. It's to the point now. I spend so much time with my family. My wife tells me to get out. 
Go, go <laughs> hang out with your friends. You're here too much. It's almost, uh, I've always thought in my profession of, of the journalism that there are some, a lot of similarities between uh, journalism and, and detective work, investigative work with police force in that, and, and feel totally free to correct me if I'm wrong, as you've already corrected me on your first name. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Holy crap, I can't no, believe it. It's, it's funny. Uh, um in that you're you're just sort of asking basic open-ended questions of people and and just trying to connect dots and fill in gaps as correct. you go along. That is correct. And can you elaborate on that? You're basically trying to figure out the who, what, when, where, why of any of any case that you get. How do you, is there an art to it, getting people to talk to you? Yes, definitely. You're looking at me. I'm, I don't know <laughs> like, if I can expand on that. I'm a, I mean, this is a general thing. This is not um, your specific job. There definitely is. Um, you have to learn how to talk to people, first of all. Which you're good at. I, I've done well. I mean, I had to learn a lot of things in law enforcement the hard way because I was stubborn and young and and ignorant and I learned that I could talk my way out of situations instead of having to fight someone or get somebody mad at me I could talk them down and then I realized that it's easier for me if I can use my brain and my mouth and talk you down I don't have to fight you does that make sense Mm -hmm. so the reason that we are here um, is You've had a hell of a few months. Uh, I had a horrible January for sure. Yeah. Let, let's, um, I guess, where do you want to start? With, with you? Sure. Or your father? Uh, start with me. It kind of, it kind of unfolds into a, um, multiple layers to what happened in January and to where I am now. So the, the part that I know and that most of your friends know is that, and again, if I'm wrong, you... Um, you had had a heart attack in 2010. I was in the pre-stages of heart attack, and we caught it before. It was a question of if, or it was a question of when. I was The doctor said I was going to, going to have a heart attack, and I actually, we actually caught it before that. So I ended up having a stint in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then fast-forwarding to, to January, you were feeling some of the same things. Yeah, I woke up. Actually, it was actually it was worse. Um, I woke up on the morning of January fifth, um, probably two thirty three in the morning, and I had really bad, uh, severe chest pains. Got up out of bed, uh, had a glass of water, kind of walked around. I was trying to figure out what it was. Well, then I noticed that my my entire left hand went numb, and then my right, the blade edge of my right hand went numb. So I walked into the bedroom, and this is kind of funny, but I said, Jennifer, you need to you need to wake up and don't freak out. Mm. And woke my wife up, and she was as cool as the other side of the pillow. She got up, got me some some of the old, these things were probably outdated, but the old nitrous, or uh, what are they called? I just drew a blank. Nitroglycerin pills that mm-hmm. I had in 2010. She found them, and it was kind of funny where... Not really panic. We're getting ready to panic, but 
the bottle of nitrous or the uh, nitroglycerin pills is about that big. It's very small, probably no bigger than your thumb. And the writing is so small that I would have had to have a magnifying glass to read it. And my wife can't find her glasses. And she's like, you know what? I don't care. Put this in your mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. I, can't, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. Just put it in your mouth. Chew on it. I don't care. Gets on the phone, calls 911. Everybody's super calm. End up taking an ambulance ride to um, Anderson and Med downtown. And uh, <clears throat> I was going to pick that up. And got got into the ER that morning and uh, sat there for about four hours before um, they came in. About, I think it was about 8.15 in the morning they came in to tell me they're, we're going to go do some, uh, some tests at the cath lab. And uh, left the ER and didn't quite make it to the cath lab. I suffered a massive heart attack on the way. How, how how far is the cath lab from the ER? I honestly don't know. But you're getting rolled. I'm you're, getting pushed in a yeah. in a hospital down bed the down the hallway. Yeah. yeah. And so if you so then what? I don't remember. I remember walk, going down the hall, talking to the nurse. You know, I'm on the way to. I texted my wife, "Hey, I'm going to get a." Some tests done at the cath lab. She says, "Hey, I'll be there in a little bit." Cool heart, you know, heart shaped emoji. So you took the ambulance and, to and, 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 and to the ER, and she stayed. Yeah, yeah. she stayed home stayed with home. Emily. Yeah, yeah I have a, mm-hmm. my daughter was mm-hmm. at home, and uh, I remember going down the hall talking to the nurse. I don't remember going out, but I remember coming to. I guess right after, and uh, it felt like my ear. Your feet fall asleep, and then you get that those tingles in your foot. Mm-hmm. That's what my head felt like, and I was sweating. And I asked the nurse. I asked her. I said, "What, what drug did you give me? This is really weird." And I know you probably have to edit this, but she said, "We didn't give you a drug. You just had a effing heart attack, mm-hmm. and we just brought you back." Wow. And I said, "Brought me back from where?" And it got quiet mm. completely quiet so i'm laying in the bed and i realized i looked up and i noticed that the the lights were going past like fast and then i realized that they're ramming doors and you know pushing people out of the way and yelling and i remember going into a room with really bright lights i guess an operating room or some sort of i don't know i guess it was an operating room and i remember them doing the count the countdown three two one and I remember going from the bed to the the hard, you know, metal, cold metal table. And I remember the woman saying, don't move your arm. And I, I said, well, what is going on? Like, what, what's happening? And the lady said, you just had a heart attack. We're going to fix it. Okay, sounds good. You know, and I was kind of freaking out. I didn't know, still didn't process what was going on until she actually said it. And the next thing I remember, I woke up in recovery in a room watching tv how long uh sometime that afternoon yeah so had you not had you not uh had you been at home no telling the doctor uh called my wife who was on her way and told her that 
had I not been where I was, I probably wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's no telling. We don't, we don't know, but, um, I made the joke and it really wasn't funny, but after I did it, I said, if you're going to have a heart attack, do it in the cardio wing of a hospital, leave the ER on the way to the cath lab and, you know, have a heart. It's not really funny, but where else could I have such quality of care in that situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was your the, the experience like in 2010? 2010, I was working night shift, and I was I was a smoker back then. I smoked, chain smoked, pack a day, two packs a day. And we were on a call, and I just remember I was sitting still, and it felt like my my heart was felt like I ran a marathon. It felt like my heart was jumping out of my chest. So I worked the rest of the night, and I went home, and I told the oncoming supervisor that something wasn't right in my heart. I felt like I was running a marathon and my heart was, you know, beating. It seemed like it was pretty fast. And she said, well, you probably need to go to the hospital. I said, well, now, you know, I'm going to go home and sleep on it. I'll see how I feel. And I went home, fell asleep. I took a nap and I woke up about two hours later, just covered in sweat. And my heart was still racing, even though I had been sleeping. So called my wife, and one thing led to another, and I ended up, I ended up in urgent care in Clemson, and my blood my uh, blood pressure was through the roof, and the lady basically said, "Can you drive to, or can someone drive you to Anderson, or do you want us to call you an ambulance?" And when I got to Anderson, they found out that I had several blockages. I had three blockages back then, and then surgery. Uh, I had a stint for, I had a, I think it was a 95%, an 85%. I think there was a 60%. I was stinted for the 95 and medicated for the others. Gotcha. So what was your, when you walked away from that in 2010, what were your revelations at the time? What was your sort of outlook uh, new out. I'm sure you had a new outlook at the time. I did. Um, I started eating right. Started walking. Started um, trying to get into better shape. Um, lost some weight, and I I felt really great for a long time. How much did you weigh before that in 2010? And then how much weight did you lose? Honestly, don't remember. Ballpark. Back then, I was probably I was probably in the 260 265 mm-hmm. maybe. And you lost? Probably lost 10, 12 mm-hmm. pounds back then. Mm-hmm. We were, it wasn't as long-lasting, I guess, looking back as you, as you, as you just thinking back to maybe what you should have done. I guess I, I think I remember a conversation I was having with you maybe a month ago. Of you, did, you, you were serious about it, but not serious enough. I think I was serious about it. And then over time, I lost track of where I was and what I was trying to do. And in 2022, I was actually worse than I was in 2010, if that makes sense. Well, how so? I was up to about 294, and um, I had a heart attack. Yeah. So I think that was probably as worse as the worst it could have gotten. I had a near-fatal heart attack, and I, was, I weighed in at 294 my last 
cardiologist visit in December of last year. December of last year, and what? So you were regular seeing a cardiologist, and what they tell you on that last visit that, that you can remember? Lose some weight, and they'd see me again in nine months. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing, nothing about what we, what I was about to experience for sure. And then the surgery this time was. I got a I got a new stent. New, new stent. Yes. And then uh, I remember talking to you recently, and you came out of that with a different perspective than you had in, in 2010, at least as I recall. Yeah, initially I came out of it um, petrified, just completely scared. Scared to eat, scared of... kind of gave me a new outlook on life. I didn't want to eat. There were times right afterwards I I wouldn't eat anything. I started starving myself. Um, it was I mean, the best way I can explain it, it was it was I was petrified. I was scared of everything. Of everything. I went on to like a fear diet. I'm not eating that. I'm not drinking that. No, no, I'm not doing that. I, it's, everything was out of fear. I instantly quit drinking uh, caffeine, sodas, sweet tea, uh, started drinking water, which apparently you have to have to survive. I didn't know this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, stopped eating fast food, fried food. Um, started eating more. I mean, just instantly, it was overnight, changed my entire diet uh, in the course of several days. And was just initially it was out of fear i was just scared to do what i used to do because i did not want to repeat 2010 or what happened in january of this year and how long did that last that fear like all-consuming fear that you had i think the fear the fear went away but i'm still mindful of what i put into my body I, I'm still pretty much on the same diet that I that I instigated on January fifth, but it's less out of fear, and I'm learning more about nutrition and my body, and you know, just making better decisions, and I, that's gone a long way. So, what is the diet, and what are the decisions that you're having to make? <clears throat> I started, uh, I used to skip breakfast. I started eating a couple egg white bites in the morning, have some fruit, yogurt. Um, a couple hours later, I eat some almonds, have some nuts, have a sensible lunch, have a good salad, some chicken, and then eat a sensible dinner. But the, but literally stopped eating fast food, fried food. Try not to eat a lot of um, breads, but you know, haven't ruled it out. And I just make better decisions with what I'm eating. What was your diet before? Fast food, fried food. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I didn't make good decisions. Um, I work an office job. I ate out a lot. Um, Burger King, Wendy's, you know, McDonald's, and just never. Um, 
Did, just didn't make good decisions. Like once a day? A couple times a week. Yeah. Two, three times a week at times. It was easy. It was fast, quick. You know, I'm on the run. Let's just grab a, you know, grab a burger, things like that. Like quarter pounder, super size, big old double whopper gigantic, with cheese. Double whopper yeah. with cheese. Sure. Big old Coke. Yes. Well, sweet tea. Sweet tea. And so, <clears throat> how much weight have you lost? That is a. At one time, I weighed over 300 pounds, but I can only confirm that I weighed 294, but I'm down to 274 right now, currently. Excellent. And hoping to lose some more. What's your, what's the goal? I actually don't know. I have an appointment in May. I have to check my calendar, but I'm going to meet with my cardiologist and try to figure out where I'm supposed to be. Have you met with your cardiologist since? Yes. I met with him two or three weeks ago. And what is what what's the what are the marching orders? Uh put me on some new medication and a little bit closer monitoring. Uh, my blood pressure was good. Um it's still good. And instead of seeing me in nine months, he's gonna see me in May. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not waiting until September. Is there any hist- family history of, of heart disease? Or? I'm sure there is at some point. I'm pretty sure it's hereditary, but I think that uh, the one thing that I've been outspoken about is that I cause, I feel that I cause this for myself, not a family member. Or I, yeah. I, I blame myself for this. Um, when, how long were you in the hospital? I was only in the hospital. I went in January 5th at 4 a.m. I left on the 6th around noon. Gotcha. All my numbers had stabilized. Everything checked out. My blood pressure was good, and they they let me leave. I, wasn't, I was supposed to be there four days. I was there a day. Can you describe, for those of us who don't know what the process entails of putting a stent in, what, 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 what is that? Wow, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Um, the stint I had in 2010, they went through, I assume, my, I think it was my femoral artery, mm-hmm. and they send up a scope with a balloon, mm-hmm. and they put a device in that expands and opens up your the wall of your artery. In 2022, they went through the top of my right hand, right by my pointer finger, like right here. This is a probably a really stupid question but what what kept you from having to do like bypass surgery do you have any 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 sort of I knowledge have, of <laughs> no because I, I just zero. hear it on a general level like oh yeah such and such had a had to have yeah, a triple bypass yeah, yeah no i no people clue. who are in serious trouble i would hope that my the guy that did my surgery knew what he was doing and the stint is all I needed. I yeah. really don't know. How long was it before you were able to go back to, to work? My initial paper from the doctor said two weeks. And I never made it to the second week on mm. that. What was it like going back after a week? No, I never made it back to. I didn't go back to work for over a month. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Right. I thought you said no, you didn't no, no. make it to the second week. No, I was. 
I made it through my first week out of work after my um, stint and my heart attack. And then my father passed away a week later. That's I was, right. I was still on uh, leave for that. That's right. That, and that gets into what we were going to talk about next. Um, but you, as far as the your situation with uh, with your heart attack goes, one of the reasons you're here with me is is you want to help others avoid the same uh, thing you went through and, and, and encourage them to, uh, to avoid it at, 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 at as much as, as much as they can. So can you just maybe reflect on that and, and what, what you would like to say specifically to people out there who might be in a similar situation? It's the main thing I wanted to tell people is don't ignore any signs or symptoms that you may be having, um, get checked out and trust me on this. It's, it's worth letting someone know. I can't even express how it's how much of a burden it put on my family and my daughter, my wife, who's been, you know, a godsend through this. It's, we've had a horrific January, but my wife's been just there I mean she was there the whole time but I could have ignored this a lot of men do they ignore the signs and symptoms and you know maybe it's indigestion well maybe you're about to have a heart attack you know if you're if you're having symptoms go get checked out call the doctor go go get a physical do something just don't um don't ignore it So, a week. It was a week after you got out of the hospital when your when your father. Yeah, I went in the hospital January fifth, and my father went missing on January eleventh of this year. I don't know how much of of that you're comfortable talking about. So it just. What was the? Can you just take me step by step through? Yeah, on. On the uh, it was Tuesday the eleventh, my brother uh, calls me and tells me that my father's missing, and of course I said, well, "Where is he?" You know, is this Fredericksburg? In Fredericksburg, yeah. Um, my father had been dealing with um, depression and and thoughts of suicide and things like that, and my mother last saw him that morning on the eleventh, and then when she came home from work that evening, he wasn't home. So she called my brother, and uh, my brother actually found his truck at the boat docks in downtown Fredericksburg. And he didn't want to, it was funny, he didn't want to call me because he knew I had a heart attack and he didn't want to put any added stress in my life. And uh, long story short, he went missing on the 11th and they found him dead on uh, the 12th a week later. Mm, a week you said the twelve. No, no, I'm yeah. sorry. A week after my heart attack, they found him. Gotcha. Your brother lives in Fredericksburg. Yes, he actually lives in Spotsylvania County, but it's right near Fredericksburg. What's your father's name? Uh, Robert Gooch. Uh, how old was he? I'm 47. He would have been 68 this year in September. <clears throat> Tell me about him. We were before we before I hit record. You were telling me. Uh, about his musical interest and don't see the Allman Brothers twenty something times. Yeah, he was a um, 
he was always the life of the party, um, quick with a joke, um, great smile, just a fun, fun loving. Never met a stranger. You could he could have fun at an insurance seminar. I mean, just outgoing, outspoken, funny, very lovable guy. Um, he loved music. He was a big, I mean, big Almond Brothers um, fan. He was into the blues. Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, I could name all of them. How, how early did your dad introduce you to the Almond Brothers and, and a lot of his? I can favorite? remember that all the way back to when I was a child. But the funny thing I do remember is my dad remarried when I was six or seven, and uh, they get in the car. We go shopping. They get in the car afterwards. Turn the car on, and it's uh, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin. And my stepmother, I don't like to call her stepmother, my, my mother reaches over and turns the station. And I remember my dad going, it's Led Zeppelin. What are you, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stairway to heaven, come on. And I just, I've always, he's always just been a mu- uh, music guy. And I got probably 90% of my musical um, taste from him. Definitely, for sure. What do you like? I listen to more metal now, but I grew up on the Allman Brothers and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Robert Johnson, uh, Little Feet, uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, all those I got from my father. Have you seen the Leonard Skinner documentary on Netflix? I have not. I, I saw the advertisement for it, but I haven't watched it. It's one of the best Is it good? Document, rock documentaries you'll, you'll ever see. I will definitely sure. check it out. I have... Netflix and 14 other streaming services. <laughs> um, can you just take me to back to January when you're trying to piece everything back together yourself with your family, with your, your health? And was there, what, were there any warnings? I mean, you had, I think you already, you mentioned that he had had some depression and, and suicidal uh, thoughts, I guess, but how far back did that go and, and how much of a surprise was it? It was a complete and utter shock, but um, now that he's no longer with us, we can sit back and, and take our time to try to figure it out. 2021 is where I think it started, but we can actually track it probably back 2008, 2010 um, when he retired from General Motors and you know we have time to we have we have time to piece this thing together but it seemed like in 2021 it all came about is that i know i'm not making sense we thought it all happened in 2021 but now that we're sitting and thinking about it he started it seemed like a downhill spiral back in probably 2008 so it all culminated in, i think so I, I think i honestly think that me as a son, I think we underestimated what was going on, and I don't think we understood it. And now that we have all this free time, everything makes sense. Dating back to 2010, he retires from General Motors, 30 years. He gets down, you know, post, you know, in, at the beginning of his retirement, he was down. He didn't see his friends every day and his coworkers that he loved. And he went down. Well, he gets another job, works there for a couple of years. Where? Uh, he worked at um, Hobby Lobby, 
they built a Hobby Lobby not far from where he lives, and he took a part-time job at Hobby Lobby, and he loved it. And he worked there for several years, and then he was working, I want to say 20 hours a week, and he was in in heaven, worked two or three days a week, loved it. Um, they got a new manager. His hours were cut back. He quit Hobby Lobby. Seemed like he sunk a little more. He went a little south. Um, my grandmother died in 2010. His mother. His mother. He got real, real down about that. And then it just seemed that we noticed it more in 2020-21, but uh, we kind of mapped it out and we kind of saw where it was. I don't think we understood it or picked up on it then but we're feeling we're feeling the effects of it now in the moment what are you noticing he he went from basically it was night and day he went from this fun-loving class clown uh jokester to very uh quiet secluded um actually expressed that he was depressed you know just he just wasn't himself if that makes sense it was a definite night and day from where what we knew him as to where he was and then now at present what are y'all you said free time has allowed y'all uh yeah i mean we he's no longer with us and now that we can sit around and I don't know, like detectives piece this whole thing together. It, it, it all makes sense now, but I still think that I underestimated it. I didn't understand it. You know, I, I wish I could, wish I would have done more, and I wish I would have picked up on the signs, and I wish I would have. If there was more I could have done, I wish I would have done it because he'd still be here. All right. I don't know that he would still be here, but I, I... You talk about what you could have done. What What is it? I mean, is there really anything yeah. that... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's You play this coulda, shoulda, woulda, and uh, I don't know. I wish I would have called him more. I wish I would have... I don't know. I wish I would have lived closer. I live eight hours away, and I wish I would have visited more. But I can't do any of those things. It's, it's, we're past that. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another 
another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. It's really interesting, um, the whole sort of notion of, you know, retirement and all that. You know, in the course of my, most of the people I talk to um, for the podcast are involved with athletics and football and a, a fairly... Uh, common topic is, um, you know, football players never, you're, they're never prepared for the end, you know, and, and their end comes when they're, you know, 24, 25, right. 30, if they're lucky. And it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like they they have a grasp of, okay, this is going to end uh, pretty soon and I, I need to be ready. And, and their whole identity is different. Um, they have to find a new identity, I guess, because their whole sense of who they their, their of who they've been, their whole lives has been defined by um, they've been better than everybody else right. on a field or a court or whatever. And so, um, the what I relate that to is they're going through the same sort of identity crisis that most people have to have to confront only when they're you know 65 or 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 you know in their uh, or older um but it sounds like just not having a purpose you mentioned the, your dad's friends at at work uh not being around them it's like what do you do <laughs> like how do you, it's so hard to really figure out it was funny when uh we went to his service and I was in the at the service in Virginia and it was monopolized by former GM co-workers dozens and dozens the older crews that he worked with the people he worked with the young the younger generations of GM workers they were all all of them were there what did he do there <clears throat> I honestly don't know I know his plant made parts for um it was a uh, AC Delco plant. Mm-hmm. It was called Delco Moraine. They made parts for, um, I believe it was brake pads for General Motors. Mm-hmm. So when did you just have to pick up and go in in January? When, um, and I, I guess refresh me. You, you your brother called and he was missing. Missing, and then what? Um. They had some inclement weather uh, the week leading up to this. There was snow on the ground. It was really cold. They were bringing in uh, crews from Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office, uh, the Fredericksburg Police Department, Stafford County. And uh, they had issues with, I didn't realize that the Rappahannock River has a a tide, high tide Hmm. and low tide. And that evening they were at low tide and they couldn't get the boats in the water because of the um, low tide. They had ice and snow on the boat dock, so they were having issues getting the equipment into the water. 
and they had drones. They were using really nice drones with uh, infrared, FLIR, things like that. And uh, they canceled. The, they called the search about 11, 11.30 that night because they couldn't get the the assets into the water. And they said they were going to resume at the next high tide, which would have been the next morning. And uh, the next morning when they started, it wasn't an hour or two, they found him in the water. And where were you at this time? Well, I was sitting here in Clemson, South Carolina. So your brother? He called. Uh, he was with the, one of the investigators from Spotsylvania County. Uh, he called, and as soon as I answered the phone, like we were in a waiting game anyway. We knew that the search was going to be resumed that morning, but as soon as the phone rang, I knew. I knew what it was. But um, he called me about 12, I think it was about 12.20 on Wednesday, and told me that they had found my father um, floating in the Rappahannock, found him dead. Do we know what he did? I don't know that we'll ever know. Um, He had expressed at one point or multiple times that he was going to end his life. And the way he he expressed he was going to end it was by jumping into water. And uh, his death certificate, unfortunately, says um, suicide by drowning. Who did he share this with? Uh, he expressed it to my um, my mother uh, on several occasions. Did she share that with y'all at the time? I didn't. I didn't hear that until um, the night before when my brother called me. It was the first time I had ever heard that. And how do you process that when you when you hear that? I don't know. I still think I'm trying to process that, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. He was, a, uh, my dad was a Labrador retriever. He was born on the water. They they lived in Stafford, Virginia on a choir creek. Uh, he loved the water. He always wanted to be in water. And I think when it came to that time in his life, um, with the pain and suffering and the things he was dealing with, he chose his own method and uh he ended up in the water and uh it's kind of funny when we had the i think about it now but when we had his we had two services we had one in fredericksburg and we had one in uh here in clemson and one of his i don't say dying wishes but one of his wishes years ago that he expressed was he wanted to be he wanted to be cremated and he wanted his, his remains um to be um dispersed off of madden bridge in central so we we gave him one last jeep ride and we drove him to uh, madden bridge in central and we dispersed his ashes off the bridge so he was born on water he loved the water he took his life in water in the water and then we dispersed his ashes in the water at his wishes so i think he i unfortunately he did what he wanted to do the way he wanted to go. Did he spend a lot of time down here on the on the water? He used to come down here uh, two, three times a year, and he always wanted to be on Lake Hartwell. He always wanted to be in the water swimming or kayaking or doing something in water. So where would y'all take him? Uh, to the rowing docks. Oh, uh, over the, the university? Yeah. Rowing docks, just hanging out? Tell him, we shouldn't talk about that place. It's secret. It's our little secret place. <laughs> Um, 
So, what was it like having to pick up and, and go up there? I mean, I guess you were up there for... I was up there about nine or ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rough. Um, the I was notified on Wednesday, and I basically, I broke down. I was crying, just convulsing, just just the worst tears ever. And then I stopped stood up and I wiped my tears off and I said, I got to go to Virginia. And my wife's like, dude, crying's free. Like you, like that was it. Like, that's all you're going to do. And I said, no, nah, I got to go. And I packed up and I left the next morning about seven, seven fifteen in the morning. By yourself. Yeah. I drove up by myself. The other funny part of that was my mother said, you know, you just had a heart attack. Can you, uh, can you physically make this drive? And I said, you know, I don't know, but I've got more blood and oxygen pumping through my <laughs> heart now, so we're gonna we're gonna give it a whirl. How hard was that? With both things confronting you at once. It's, it seems like the uh, the heart attack took a backdoor to uh, my father's death, and I just my focus was to go up there and be with my family. And it was really going into the unknown because I had never, <coughs> excuse me, I've never, I've always, you know, you have a family member die, you go to a funeral, you pay your last respects and then it's over and you, you move on. But I actually had to be a part of, not had to, I, I was a part of planning this service from, through every step of it, you know. What he wants to be cremated. What are we going to do for this? What are we going to do for that? Where do we want to have the service? And and I actually was a part of it, and it was really hard because I I had no clue what I was doing. I've never done this before, so it was it was all new to me, and new to my family. Is your mother still in Fredericksburg? She is. Does she have a good support network? There? Uh, my brother and my niece and some uh, nephews are up there. And I'm here. I, I talk to her a couple times a week and, you know, on the weekends. Uh, Emily likes to FaceTime her on the weekends and they have their little, you know, their, little, their time together. How deeply and seriously did you think about just the general topic of suicide before this? Uh, not necessarily strictly related to your father, but I'm just curious what your how much you thought about it before and what you made of it, I guess. Uh, never. I don't think I ever really thought about it. My dad had made some comments over the last year, and I, I didn't take it. I don't know if I just didn't take it seriously or I didn't understand what he was going through. But I can tell you this from experience. It's the most powerful thing that I've ever dealt with in my life. I've had the two, um, I try to be selfish, but I've had the two um, most traumatic events of my life within a week of each other, and one being the death of my father. But it's it's one of the most powerful things, and it's I, I still don't understand it at all. I want to. I, I really do. But I it, this this um this whole experience you know i put my father to rest and it's it still lingers yeah it hadn't been that long no i think i'm trying to remember we buried my i went burying we had the service 
was a week and a half after he passed away, and then we had another service a week later. So it's end of January, early February. You said he had said some things. You're talking. Uh, are you referring to what he had said to your mother, or yeah. he said to you as well? well I, mean, what, I don't remember him ever saying that to me. Um, but I had, from what I understand, he had made the comments to my mother, and I heard about it on uh, the 11th when my brother called. It was the first time I had, I knew that he had expressed that. So when I, my, I'll back up to this, but my. The day my dad went missing, my brother went and drove around town looking, the places that he would have gone, and they found his truck at the city boat docks in Fredericksburg. My dad liked to go down there and read the paper and read, you know, uh, drink his coffee, and in the summer he'd put his kayak in and go kayaking and things like that. Well, when my brother went to the city docks, my father's truck was parked in the parking lot, and... uh one thing led to another. When they filed the missing persons report, they brought in um, canine dogs. Um, I think Spotsylvania or might have been Fredericksburg. But the dog tracked from the door of the truck to the edge of the water. Mm. And then they brought in a, uh, I think it was Virginia State Police dog, and he tracked from the edge of the from the door of the truck to the edge of the water, and then went down the. Down the bank? Down the bank, and then stopped. Mm. How much of a... I imagine it, it... I can only imagine that it has to be a just a roller coaster mentally every day um, as you're still in so closely removed from, from that event and those events, I guess I should say. Sure. It is. Um, we went to a. Uh, what were we doing? Went to a basketball tournament with my daughter, and they won the the league championship. When? Uh, this was. Uh, this would have been the early February, maybe mm-hmm. late January. And I pulled out my phone on the way home, and I was excited. I was excited. My daughter won the championship. Her team won, and I, I pulled out my iPhone and I hit. Um, I created a message and I was I put Robert Gooch and my mom and started uploading pictures into the message and then I looked down and I just broke into you know mm-hmm. burst into tears and started crying and my wife's like well, what's your problem and I was like I'm texting my dad mm-hmm. and she was like oh sorry you know she didn't know and uh, it's just little things you know, listen to a song, something that reminds me of him, of a memory, uh, see a picture of him. Just little things trigger trigger me. And I know my mom's going through a lot right now with um, with the whole thing. And she, I, when I talk to her, she she gets triggered by literally everything. Mm. You know, she she was joking the other day. She said, you know, I was putting gas in my car and I broke down at the pump. I'm like, why? And she's like, because I've never put gas in my car. Mm your father always filled my car up for me Mm -hmm. when I get that. You know, I'm pushing a shopping. Why am I pushing the shopping cart in the grocery store? Your father always pushed the car Mm -hmm. for me. So every, every mom has lots of triggers and, you know, I have some too, but uh, mom's really going through a, through a hard time with this and understandably. Um, what songs? 
any of the uh, the aforementioned bands that we talked yeah. about, yeah, especially Almond Brothers. Anytime I hear Almond Brothers, I just I go to the next next song or next station. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you tell a child your child what what happened? How did you how did you deal with that? I picked her up from school on that Wednesday, and I basically just said. Um, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Um, Papa G's dead. He's no longer with us. I don't know how else to put it. Now, I didn't go into um, the how. I just told her that he he had passed away. And I checked on her after that periodically throughout the rest of the day. And she seemed like she was fine, but I don't think she understood it or or could process it. And then later that evening, um, I went to put her to bed and she was, you know, bawling, crying. And I looked at her mom and I was like, what's her problem? And my wife's like, you know what her problem is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, excuse me. I was like, well, she hasn't shown anything all day. I was, wasn't sure. And, and it kind of hit her that evening. And then, even recently she's questioning it and I really don't know how to to explain this to a child. I have no clue. I've never, I've never been down this road, but my wife and my daughter were having a talk the other day and we had to put our, we had to put our dog down last, or I'm sorry, in uh, March of 2020. And my wife was trying to explain it that way. And my daughter said, well, you know, the dog was in pain and, he was suffering and that's what Papa G mm. did. And it was like, yeah, that, there you go. That's what happened. So she kind of knows, but I don't know if she really understands it, but she does know that he took his own life. And I think she understands that he's no longer suffering and he's no longer in pain. How old is she? She will be 10 in June. How close was she to him? They... They were as close as you can be living seven and a half hours away. Um, my daughter, when when all this happened in 2021, my daughter, we always made a point to FaceTime, not just my uh, Papa G, but her grandparents on my, my wife's parents. So we always FaceTimed them on Saturday or Sunday every week consistently. Is there anything, I mean, you, you know, you, you shared earlier about your going through the heart attack and all that sort of words of wisdom. Is there anything, are you far enough removed from it where you can share wisdom on this, uh, on, on, on the topic of how to handle a, 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 you know, something like that with losing a parent or a parent or any, or a loved one who is going through a tough time, but you just don't really know how to deal with it. Honestly, I don't know. The only thing I can I really want to share is if if you're if you're having similar um, signs or symptoms, get checked out. Go see a doctor. Don't don't ignore it. But with the family, with my dad's passing, um, try to get your loved ones help. Um, talk to them. Talk to them. if you're if you're dealing with problems. If you have issues or thoughts of suicide or depression, talk to somebody, call somebody. Um, I don't know. 
I sit now and I'm, I don't even know how to explain this. Um, I play the what if game a lot. The natural reaction. Yeah. I just, I wish I would have, I don't know. I, I know I can't do it. My wife said, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. You can't, you can't, we can't fix this now, but I, I wish I would have done more, said more or understood it more. And, you know, maybe could have made of, maybe could have helped. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I just wish that, um, I wish I understood it and, and didn't discount it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thing is, had he died of something else, had he not taken his life, he would still be confronted with the same. I yeah. wish I would have called him more. Any, sure. you know, just the the loss itself. Yeah, definitely. Anybody who knows you and, and your wife knows y'all are fun loving, uh, great humored people, always with a joke, even during tough times. Is that? It, um, has it been difficult to when with something to uh, some things so heavy like this that, um sort of maintaining that oh yeah the joking <laughs> like that, and it's it's a it's a positive attribute uh extremely positive to be able jokes. to do that um i thought it was funny I, I have a lot of watches and uh over the last two or three weeks every watch i own has died and I don't understand it because they all have different batteries that were put in at different times and all of them died within, seemed like a week or two after my, my dad's second service. And I said, you know, all my watches are dead. This is weird. My, my wife said, well, maybe it's your father talking to you. And I said, well, what does he have against wristwatches? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All my watches, you know, died within a week of each other. Have you had to, you mentioned your, uh, your daughter played youth basketball, won championship. On the shift into the sports context, have you noticed um, an unhinged nature of, of, of youth sports, uh, an increase in that, of, of the, the intensity of it, of the crowd, of the the the... Just the uh, harsh nature of, yes. of of the entire atmosphere. I went to the uh, 10U All-Star game in Wahala, South Carolina, and there were eight parent or fan ejections in... <laughs> yes. What? No, actually, I'm sorry. It was seven. The one woman was removed twice, which makes eight. <laughs> in a, in one ki- game? No, in a series of, I think it was three or four games. We got there at eight or nine in the morning, and we finished at four in the afternoon. And there were eight ejections in that tournament alone. Yelling at the refs, mainly? or Stepping on the court, uh, getting in the refs' face, getting in coaches' faces, wow. um, screaming obscenities, Their own coach? fighting. The other coach? No, I think it was the opposing coach. What is going on? I don't know. It's funny when you walk into the arena at uh, in Wahala. There's a code. Of, there's a uh, fan code of conduct right when you walk inside the door. And I don't know if people didn't see it or couldn't read it or what. But eight ejections. The one lady was ejected twice, but there were she made eight. 
Seven people. <laughs> seven humans. Seven which... <laughs> humans. One was ejected twice. <laughs> but it's not just, I mean, even here I've heard, and this is all just stuff I've heard, but in, in Clemson Central, um, there now have, has to, has to, have to be cops yes. stationed at every game because of some fight that broke out There recently. was a, uh, I believe it was a coach was punched in the face by a fan. And then I think it was the next week a parent got on the court. They said, hey, you can't be on the court. You have to leave. She said, well, I'm not leaving. You can't make me. And they said, you know what? You're right. So they canceled all the games. Wow. And kicked everyone out of the gym. And I I assume they left her standing on the court being proud of what she had just accomplished. This is insane. Like, a part of me, the optimistic side of me, which I hope is the dominant side of me, is, okay, the entire world is not going crazy. It's just, you know, you see a lot of crazy stuff because everybody has a cell phone, and so you see a higher frequency of that stuff. But then it's like you hear this. Like, this wasn't what it was like when I was growing up or even five years ago, I don't think, or was it? I don't know, but that um, all-star tournament in Wahala, we almost didn't play the uh, championship game. Oh, excuse me. We almost didn't play the championship game because we didn't think it was safe for our children and our players to play. Safe from what? The opposing team. What were they doing? Uh, one of the parents said, this isn't fundamental or basketball. This is rugby on a hardwood. Oh, it was just a rough. It was very, 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 uh, it was violent. It was kids pushing and kids throwing each other. And we saw a girl throw a temper tantrum on the court, laying on her back, kicking her feet. She kicked another player and screamed and flailed her arms like like a child. Apparently, statistically, there's been an exodus of, of of uh, of referees just deciding they're not going to do it anymore. Or so that not, is not, not here, but but everywhere. I heard a, a college. I think it was Kirby Smart was talking uh, to a group in Macon a couple of weeks ago, and he said that uh, it was that statistically there's like a, a an alarming uh, percentage of 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 the officiating force is is hanging it up and, and the the chief reason that they, they actually polled the ones who are leaving and asked why and the dominant reason is lack of sportsmanship and it's it's wild i have heard that as well that's true richard is there anything yes, else you'd like to <laughs> gooch too uh, soon I can't. I mean, I've known you for a while. I guess I've just called you Gooch the entire no, time. That that's uh, funny. And I've never, there was never a chance to be corrected. No, I, you've never called me John <laughs> till today. <laughs> well, man, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your service uh, to the community thank for you. for more than two decades. Um, thank you for your your willingness to share um, in in the immediate aftermath of of two. Um, just experiences I can't really, not many people can imagine going through. No, thank you. Um, I really appreciate uh, you letting me do this, letting me have an audience. Um, I hope it helps someone. And I wanted this to be meaningful. 
I might have sounded like a babbling idiot and I'm nervous. Not at all. Not at all. But um, I wanted to be meaningful and have purpose. And I realized, uh, I said it the other day to a friend of mine, I said, you know, I messed up the first 47 years of my life and now I have to earn the rest of it. And I'm, you know, I owe it to you and I owe it to my family and my friends and my Cuban cousins and everybody in Clemson because when this all happened, um, this community really just came out of the woodwork for me and my family. And it's really humbling. And uh, I don't know how to thank people enough. You know, we ordered a bunch of thank you cards and I don't think, I don't think that's enough. You know, I, I want to be a better person and I want to help people. And I hope that this can help someone touch someone and change some, you know, somebody's life for the better. And uh, I want to thank you and, I want to say if I can do a bunch of shout outs. <laughs> of course. No, we got kidding. times. No, I, I want to thank uh, the Clemson community. You know, a lot of our mutual friends were um, just really all in for, you know, helping us. And uh, I want to thank my wife. It was, has been, I don't think anybody's asked her how she's doing yeah, you know, through all that's, this. That's a one. I think I asked her once. I'm not really sure if I did, but um, she's been a, of rock through this entire um, ordeal and uh, I want to thank Rob McDavid and I really don't know why just figured I'd throw his name out for no reason because <laughs> he has a cool truck he does have a cool truck <laughs> but no, seriously thank you um, for letting me do this and to, you know um, give me your time all right thanks to Richard Gooch very important perspective there some very difficult things to talk about for sure, but hopefully his words and, and, and experience can help some, some of y'all out there listening. Appreciate the support of our sponsors for being a part of this, helping make it happen. Most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting that play button. Really appreciate it. Cheers.